Well, as you know, uh, we are going through the book of Luke, and um, so this week you would have read 17 and 18, and I do encourage you to um, take the time to read through. It makes it so much more rich when God's already speaking to you. I'm always amazed at how often I'll be reading through scriptures, and I have like a full-on revelation, and I'm like, yay, I got a revelation from the Lord, and then I'll run into someone else, and of course, dad is like that. He's like, oh, Joshua, let me tell you a secret, but the thing is, he's also like, also, I'm going to tell all my other kids that same secret, so um, I get to be unique and special just like you. Um, but it is, it is very cool, too, to hear that confirmation of someone else sharing how the Holy Spirit brought something out of Scripture, and you're like, okay, I am hearing the Lord, and he does that. That's how he draws us together. And uh, he gives us the Scriptures, by the way, so that they can center us in Christ. It's this objective witness of who God actually is. So anyway, stay in the Scriptures. Read through with us. Next week is going to be chapters 19 and 20, um, and uh, so we'll look forward to that. But for today, we're doing 17 and 18, and I specifically... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna come at you today with uh, Luke chapter 18 verses 15 through 29, and um, before I read that scripture, I want to talk a little bit about um, some context here because I want this to land right where we are. I want this to land right in our hearts and where we can say, "Oh my goodness, this is so applicable to this moment." So, right now in America, we have this interesting thing that's going on. Um, what we have is extraordinarily high cases of self-mutilation, cutting. Uh, we've got a high suicide rate. We've got an anxiety level that is unbelievable. People have been reporting on the level of anxiety that there is in the United States, and it's like unprecedented. In fact, some estimates are showing that the anxiety level is higher than during like World War II, higher than the Cold War, higher than all these other major, like, verifiable, cataclysmic situations that have happened, and yet somehow, right now, in this time of unprecedented wealth throughout the earth, we have the biggest middle class that's ever existed in the history of the world. There, are, there is more affluence, not just in the, in the West, but actually it's spreading all throughout the earth. Also, life rates have gone up. We are living longer than we have in, in, in the foreseeable history, foreseeable history, that does not make sense, but in recent history, like we have such a high life rate now. So we're healthier than we've ever been. We have more money than we've ever been. The other thing is, is that most of us have more freedom than we've ever had before. And yet at the same time that all that's happening, we have higher anxiety rates than ever before. We have levels of depression that are unbelievable. We have people that are literally hurting their own bodies out of not knowing how to deal with the pain and the anxiety. And then we're seeing a pandemic of mental illness that's going on that's, that's unprecedented. And so we have to look at this and say, what is going on? What is going on? And, and for us, we live in the West, so I want to zero in on there a little bit. What's going on in the West? You and I live in America. And we have the greatest freedom, truly, we, st we still have the greatest freedom in all of the world. We can do literally whatever we want. I mean, whatever we want. We can define our identity. We can change our name. We can marry whoever we want to. We can decide what our own sexuality is if we want to. I mean, we can do absolutely anything. There's nothing really that's off limits at this point. And yet, and yet we have to ask ourselves, is it working? Is it working? Is the, is the American dream 
working? Is this utopian idea of like what we can do, is it working? What are the metrics there? And I would have to say that at least one indicator, a metric that we can look at is this issue of anxiety, this issue of depression, this issue of, of a rise of mental illness, a rise of, of this, this generation that has an immense amount of guilt, ecological guilt and financial guilt and all other kind of guilt, diversity guilt. We've got um, patriarchy guilt. I mean, it's everywhere you turn, uh, there's all these reasons to feel terrible. And yet at the same time, we're doing that while we have the opportunity to be more generous and we have more options than ever before. So I think it's okay for us to look at that and say, something's not working. Something is broken. And, and, and many of us may look at this and think, well, maybe I personally am doing something wrong. Maybe there's something going on in me. And that may be. But it also can be an indicator that actually the system that we're a part of isn't able to deliver on what it promises. That, that all of these endless options that we have, that this system of absolute freedom is lacking something that's actually creating a problem for us. And as we're exercising this system, as we're trying this way of doing life, it's actually failing us. And the indication of that is that we're unhappy, is that we're, we're, we, have, we have a lack of meaning. You know, there's an interesting, um, there's an interesting thing about humans, and, and we're all in the place of wanting to see humans flourish. Like, we all agree about that. People that don't believe in God agree that they'd like to see humankind flourish. And those that believe in God, we also want to see humankind flourish. And of course, we know Jesus wants to see humankind flourish. So, so we agree on that, but what we, what we don't agree on is how to make it happen. And what we've been in is an, ex- an experiment now for several decades, and that experiment has been if we just had unlimited freedom, then people would finally be happy. If you just had liberty to do whatever you want, for, for however long you want to, in whichever way that you want to, then suddenly then you could throw off the shackles of, of whatever name you want to give it, throw off those shackles, and then suddenly you're going to find yourself free and find yourself able to thrive. But that has not happened. What's happened is that we're seeing this increasing rates of everything that I just told you. And so we have to take an honest look at this right now and say, okay, wait a minute, if this is what we're doing, and this is the outcome that's happening, then maybe what we're doing isn't working. I just heard recently a great quote, and it's simply this. It's that failure is feedback. Failure is simply feedback. It's letting you know that the thing that you're trying to do, if it fails, lets you know, oh, that doesn't work. Well, you know what? There's something going on in this world that we can look at and say, wait a minute, this doesn't work. You know, as I'm talking about freedom, And don't worry, I'm going to get to the scriptures here because I want Jesus to bring his answer to this problem that I'm talking to you about. So hang on. Now, when we're talking about freedom, freedom in of itself is not a wrong thing. In fact, the truth is we all need freedom to be able to be fulfilled. It's a part of what God has given us. You and I have been given, are part of being created in his image. Every human, whether they know God or not, has been created in his image. And part of that is the ability to actually have choices. It was Jesus in the Garden of Eden that put the other tree in the garden so that we would have a choice to either choose him or choose another way, which is essentially unlimited freedom to define truth for ourselves, to, 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 to do whatever we wanted. So he came up with the idea of choice. It's important for us. It's absolutely vital for us. In fact, we need it to thrive. And so much of this life, there's a, there's a few things that we need in this life. We need freedom. We have to have it. It's a God-given thing, and in order to thrive, we have to have it. We need community. 
We have to be connected to other people. We are not created to be alone. No person is able to actually survive on their own. In fact, when you isolate people, put them into isolation, they start to go insane because we are not built to be alone. So we have to have those, those, those true connections, those communities with others. We have to be a part of something that's greater than ourselves. And of course, for those of us that are in the kingdom, we found that, but we absolutely do. And then we have to have meaning. We have to have meaning. We don't thrive unless we have meaning. In fact, Viktor Frankl, who wrote um, uh, Man's Quest for Meaning, he, he was a brilliant psychologist who was actually in Auschwitz during the, during the concentration uh, camp times of the Nazi reign. And one of the things that he found when he was in Auschwitz is he found that it wasn't actually the strongest people that survived. It wasn't the smartest people. It wasn't even the most jovial people. It was actually those who found a way to hold on to meaning in the midst of the horror that they were living through. And so as they found meaning, even in the midst of that horror, they were the ones that would survive. But the other people who were finding other places of strength, they they ultimately would die. Many of them prematurely, not because they had been killed, but because they actually lost the will to live because they did not have meaning. Now, what's going on right now in many of our lives is that we've been given this system of the world's teaching. And the system of the world's teaching is is that if you have absolute freedom, then you do what works for you, right? How often have you said that? Just follow your heart. It's in the Disney songs for crying out loud. Just follow your heart. Your heart will never do you wrong. Well, unfortunately, your heart will do you wrong because the reality is unlimited freedom creates a problem because if you actually have unlimited freedom, if you can actually do anything that you want, then that also means, and that it's also good, right? So do anything you want. You do you, I'll do me. We'll do whatever we want, and it's all good. The problem with that is, is that if you can do everything that you want, anytime you want, and it's all good, inherently what that means is it's meaningless. It means that no matter what you do, it has no meaning because it's all good. Now we in the kingdom understand, and Jesus is about to get to the answer here for you, we understand that that's just patently not true. That in fact, if everything is all good, then that means that there's no meaning for us. And I would dare say that the level of anxiety and depression and listlessness and constant addictions is coming from the fact that we lack meaning. Now here's where we are right now. We're in this place in the West where we have an overflow of freedom, but we have a massive deficit of meaning. We have a massive deficit of purpose. And we also, because of this level and commitment to constant freedom, which for the most part for us actually ends up being a sort of a drunken, ongoing addiction to new novel things, be it ideas or or entertainment, most of us are finding ourselves entertaining ourselves to death. And we're finding ourselves with great anxiety. You know, I was just thinking the other day about times when I've come home and I'm tired and I flip on Netflix. And then I spend, I kid you not, I've spent over an hour swiping through, reading and watching trailers for Netflix movies and shows, none of which I watch. 
spend an entire hour and commit to no show and then realize I just spent over an hour and I couldn't even make a decision. And what I realize as I'm doing that is I have this anxiety inside of me and it's a decision anxiety because I have fear of missing out. Like I can't even commit to a show because there's so many other choices of other shows that I won't be watching if I watch this show. And really what we've got going on in our lives is we're so used to doing this that we're afraid to commit to anything because we have fear of missing out. And I want to introduce you now to the words of Jesus because I, I want to tell you something. The reality is, is that Jesus is going to show us that the truth is true freedom, true freedom comes from actually limiting our options. True freedom means that Jesus invites us to go from fear of missing out to the freedom of missing out. That we're going to actually make a decision and say, you know what, I have the freedom to miss out. I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to go check that out. It didn't pass the Holy Spirit sniff test. I've already decided who I'm following and what I'm going to be doing. And that doesn't fit. So I just don't care. I have the freedom to not care. I have the freedom to not keep scrolling. I have the freedom to make a decision without having anxiety. I have the freedom of missing out. Our true freedom is actually found in limiting our options. Let's go to the scriptures. Jesus is saying in verse 15, now they were bringing, I'm sorry, he wasn't saying this yet. He's gonna say it. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him saying, let the children come to me and don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child shall not enter it. Now there's two interesting things I just want to point out to you about this first part of the scriptures here with 15 through 17. Number one, this speaks to the same conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. When Nicodemus said, how do I enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, you have to be born again. Now we know that whole story, but the key here is that Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you need to lay, it down, lay down your entire system, your world system, and become like a child, a new creation to learn the kingdom system. You need to see things from the perspective of the kingdom, and you're not even equipped to do that. You have to lay it all down and start over. And he's saying this again. He's saying, whoever doesn't receive me like a child can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to become like a child. You and I have to be willing to limit our options and go, there's a whole lot of things that I know that actually don't matter anymore because they have nothing to do with the kingdom. And stop arguing with God and say, wait a minute, I'm the child and you're my father. I am learning everything and you know everything. And we're willing to say, wait a minute, Back to the drawing board, God. It's all you. Now the next scripture I want to give you, verse 18. Let's read this together. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know, why he said this to him is because this man, what he was actually trying to do was to try to demote Jesus down to just a good teacher. And the reason why Jesus was saying no one's good except for God's, he was saying, if you're going to call me a good teacher, you're going to have to accept that I'm God. You don't get to just make me a good teacher. And this is, again, a call to an absolute and complete surrender to Jesus Christ himself in the kingdom of heaven. You see that? Now let's keep going. He says to him, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. 
And the man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Now, I want to say this really quickly. First of all, the reason why they said, well, then who can be saved? And they were so incredulous is because these are Jews who have grown up under the Abrahamic covenant, which is a covenant of riches and wealth if you're righteous. They've grown up reading Psalms and Proverbs, understanding that God blesses the righteous and they will become wealthy, that he rewards your righteousness with wealth. And so for them to hear that the wealthy were not necessarily righteous was an absolute paradigm shift because what God was saying was, look, you can have wealth and still not yet be righteous. Now, the truth is that many times wealth can be an indication that you've been living a righteous life and doing things in a certain way and being blessed. That's true. But it doesn't equate directly that you can draw a straight line that wealth equals righteousness. And this was a major shift for them because they're looking and understanding that God is moving in the affairs of man. In fact, many times when a calamity would come, what they would do is they'd say, that man must have sinned. He must have done something wrong and God is punishing him and removing his wealth because he was unrighteous. And sometimes that was the case. But it was not an unequivocal rule that if someone had wealth or a lack of wealth, they were either being punished or blessed by God and that that was the only context. So you see that? So they're saying though, you're looking at our paradigm and we're saying, wait a minute, if even the righteous, the wealthy can't enter the kingdom of heaven, then who can be saved? And he says, with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are impossible. In other words, nothing can keep my people from me. With God, it's possible. Now, Peter hears this and he realizes that this man has just walked away. God has put his finger on the one thing this man is withholding from the kingdom. He said, I want you, sir, to sell your wealth and come follow me. But at that point, this was a bridge too far for that wealthy man. You see, that wealth had taken the place of God as his one choice. He was not willing to limit his options. He was not willing to limit his options to God and following him. He had limited his options to wealth. And he wanted to add Jesus to that. He wanted to add eternal life to that. But he wasn't willing to lay this down. He wasn't willing to say no to this and yes to Jesus. I find it very interesting as well when you see in the beginning of this that the man doesn't, he says, how do I, how do I inherit eternal life? And then Jesus gives him actions to follow him. You must come follow me, lay everything else down and follow me. And then he lays out all the things he's willing to do, but the one thing he wasn't caused him to turn away. He wouldn't limit that option. Now you and I are faced with that same thing. Have we laid everything down? Or are we trying to make God as one option among many options? And you need to understand, we live in a system of a world where, unlim uh, in, where unlimited freedom is quoted as like the highest thing. But what you need to understand is that we've been given freedom to choose Jesus and his kingdom system or to choose the system of this world, but there's no middle ground. 
God is not an option among many that you add him in as though our lives are all compartmentalized and it's like, well, here's my wealth, here's Jesus, here's my sexuality, here's my identity, here's my family, here's my clubs, here's my hobbies, here's my, my whatever. No, no, no. Jesus is Lord of all or he's not your Lord at all. And he calls us to that place, but freedom is actually only found in a full surrender. So as you and I are in this time right now, what we need to understand is that this is actually a really great time for us because the truth is the whole world's on a timeout right now. You and I are in a timeout. Like we've had our options limited for us and many of us are actually experiencing a level of rest and freedom and self-reflection that we haven't had many of us for our whole lives. And Jesus is in this because he's calling us just like this and saying, become like a little child and let me teach you about my kingdom system and understand where you've become entangled with the world system, where you're actually thinking that freedom means a whole bunch of options all the time. And I actually want to offer you true freedom, which is freedom to miss out. It's freedom to turn and say, I have one option. And it absolutely covers every area of our life. Now, let me finish with this last scripture here where, he's, where the disciples, Peter says in verse 28, and Peter said, see, we've left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus turns this around to Peter and he tells him, he just told the rich man, you sell all that you own and come follow me. And Peter says, well, we've done that. And many have used this scripture to say that God is opposed to us managing wealth in this earth. But the truth is, it's not about money. Jesus turns that absolutely on its head and says, actually, if you lay down all of your wealth for me, you'll receive even more wealth in this earth and with it eternal life. See, it's not about money. Many have actually tried to keep the option of making it about other things and turning this into a whole different social program and a political statement and what have you. But the Lord says, no, I'm above all of that. Everything that you have must be given to me because it all is mine. And if you will choose me, I will bless you in every way, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and even financially, and with it, eternal life but this only works when we lay it all down and give it to him. And the truth is, the truth is, there are those that hear that scripture and they think, well, good, I'll give away my wealth once and then I'll be really rich in this life. And the Lord turns to you again and he says, now give it away again. It all belongs to me. So don't hear me wrong here. This is about everything belongs to the Lord. Now here's the action step that I want for each of us to engage with this week. I want you and I to take this time and to say, Lord, have I made you one option among many options and tried to compartmentalize this life? If I have, will you show me, like the rich man, the thing that I'm withholding from you? Will you put your finger on it? Will you show me so that I can become like a child and that I can say, I do choose you, Jesus. Everything belongs to you. I sell everything that I have. I surrender it to you and I ask you to teach me about your system because the reality is, Lord, this life has made me weary and heavy laden and I need rest and I need to take your yoke upon me. I need to learn from you like a little child and be with you and allow everything that I have to be submitted to you 
so that every part of my life looks like a follower of Jesus. The community that I'm in, the finances that I have, the calendar that I keep, the time that I spend, that I am a follower of Jesus. So let's this week, just like Jesus offered, let us sell all that we have, as it were, and let us take up our cross and follow Jesus and let him show us the kingdom system, the rhythms of his unhurried grace, and let us embrace the freedom of missing out on what the world has to offer. Lord God, I pray that today and throughout this week and for the rest of our lives, that we would receive true freedom as we lay aside all other things by submitting them to you to ask you, Lord, to shape our quality times with you daily, the rhythms of every part of our life. By your grace and by your Holy Spirit, Lord, make it so in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. You have a great week. And um, I cannot wait until we can gather together. May it be soon. Love you.